This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike and Ivory. Thanks for joining us. Fran Manella has spent her entire career in parks and recreation. Her first job in the field was as a playground counselor in Connecticut when she was still a teenager. In 1977, Manella moved to Florida to take a job with Tallahassee Parks and Recreation and then took on the role of Director of Parks and Recreation in Lake Park, Florida. That's on the East Coast. She then became Executive Director of the Florida Recreation and Park Association in 1983 and then was appointed Director of Florida State Parks in 1989. She was the first woman to hold that position. And then in 2001, President George W. Bush nominated her to become the first woman Director of the National Park Service, a role she held until 2006. Now she's taken on the role of director of the Alliance for Florida's National Parks. The 20-year-old nonprofit works to promote Everglades, Dry Tortugas, and Biscayne National Parks, as well as Big Cypress National Preserve. Its website says their goal is to instill in all people an appreciation of Florida's public lands and natural resources for what they are, the key to the sustainability and prosperity of the state by enriching the park experience and connecting diverse communities to the nature that abounds in their backyards, end quote. Fran joins us remotely today from her home in Bonita Springs to talk about her life's work and this new role with the Alliance. Fran, welcome to Gulf Coast Life. Oh, I'm so glad to be with you, Mike. Thanks for having us. Um, So we'll get to the work you're doing now with the Alliance uh, uh, for Florida's National Parks, but I want to go back to the beginning, if you don't mind, because you have basically spent your whole life in and around parks. Um, What is your first memory of being in a national or state park? Well, my first memory of a a national park is my dad grew up in New Mexico. He was a true cowboy, grew up on a ranch. And so we went to New Mexico back in the days when you did the car tours and everything out out west. And so out we go in Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico was my first national park that I remember going to. It was great and to be in the caverns and everything like that. And it's still great today. But it really was exciting to be with my father and mother on that trip and my sister. So it was a great experience. And so uh, it it was so much fun. Hmm. I read that you were born in uh, Willimantic, Connecticut, if that's correct. I looked it up on on Google Maps, and it's a little (laughs) tiny gray area, meaning civilization, surrounded by a bunch of green area, meaning, you know, wildlands, or at least relatively wildlands. You know, how long did you live there, and were you actually surrounded by nature? Because it looks like that part of Connecticut is. Well, I I was born in Willimantic, but then... Because of my dad's uh, job and everything like that, because he, you know, he, I'm a World War II baby. I was born in 1947. And so he, a job took him to uh, Groton, Connecticut. And that's where he worked uh, it with uh, what's a company called Charles Pfizer Corporation. And that's the one that makes penicillin and things like that. And so I didn't live very long in Willimantic. I was born there because we were living with my aunt and uncle who lived there at the time. And so off we go to Groton. And that's where I actually went to high school and grew up there in Groton, Connecticut. It's in the southeast section of the state. So it's a little less uh, rural than, than where you were born. A little less rural. <laughs> but my memories of growing up, though, it is going, there was a lot of woods around, a lot of forests and the hills and everything like that. And I'm building forts and being in the woods. It just always was my draw. In other words, and with my father, I was really more proud of my father's daughter than my mother's daughter because I didn't learn to cook very well, I'm afraid, but I was a lot better outdoors. 
And so we would be doing things outdoors and the kids in our neighborhood, we didn't have a lot of parks actually when I was growing up. We just had outdoor areas. And so I just remember, you know, being in the woods, hiking, and then also building forts. And it all goes back to where I think I started my love along with my mother and father were helping with Brownie troops and Girl Scouts. And so all of that was part of my life. If I got it correct, your first job in Parks and Recreation was as a playground counselor there in, is it Groton, did you say? Yes, Groton, Connecticut, Southeast Section. Yes, so you worked were, my way through college. You were, you were, you got that job when you were roughly 18, if I do the math right. So what do you remember yes. about that? And, you know, did that set a, a path forward for you? Or did you learn anything then that you wound up applying throughout your life? Well, I think it was such an important opportunity because I was actually, you know, doing the games and activities with the children. We also did field trips, but also we did hikes. There was woods around and things like that. So we were already taking the kids outdoors and being, you know, we were outdoors basically all day. Now we did do some games like Foursquare and things like that, but really the connection was to that outdoors that was right there because it was in our elementary school uh, fields that were there. So it gave us a great opportunity to also have wooded areas and things of that nature. So it was a, it was exciting right from the start. Did it make you feel like at that time that that's something you wanted to keep doing? Because you've done, you know, scaled up versions of that, but to some degree that since then. I, I don't think I actually knew at that point that that's what I would do for my job, but I did learn to be able to, uh, uh, that was something I desired to be in the outdoors. Uh, when I got to the University of Connecticut, which is also near Willimantic, it's in Storrs, Connecticut, which is where I did my bachelor's degree, I originally thought I was going to be a biologist, and I realized I couldn't be indoors. I needed to be outside. So that's when I switched. I didn't switch to park and recreation because they didn't have it at that point. But I did switch to physical education. So I ended up being a physical education teacher when I graduated from the University of Connecticut and did that, but still work park and recreation, municipal type of park and recreation, all the way through my time as a, uh, as a teacher and, uh, so, and through my summers uh, being a teacher. So, um, so when you came to Florida, if I have it right, in 1977, um, was that you came here for the job there in Tallahassee? Actually, no. My first husband, who's since passed away, he was a television anchor, and and uh, and so he was he. We made the break from Connecticut because he was a radio uh, newscaster at that time, and he always loved radio. And then. Uh, are you getting this sound? Are you getting too much sound from my mowing outside there? Uh, well, we, we hear it, but it's not too much. At least now we've okay, acknowledged good. it. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, I can put earphones on if I need to. Uh, but, you know, it really uh, was the fact that, uh, uh, you know, th when he passed, you know, when he passed away, uh, that was difficult for me. I was state park director, but what brought us to to Florida was his job from radio, change it to television. Gotcha. And I, I came unemployed. And sure enough, though, I got hired very quickly, and I appreciate that. So how long were you in Tallahassee? Tallahassee, I was there for about a year and a half, and I was an affirmative action hire. I don't know if you picked up on that on your studies. I did me, not, no. Tallahassee was not doing as well in um, – you know, integrating the, their parks and recreation departments as far as 
staff as well as attendees. So I became the first uh, uh, I became the first white person to work in the historically black community center called Jake Gaither Community Center. Jake Gaither was a world well, pretty world renowned basketball um, player, but Anyway, that's what brought me there. So I became affirmative action hire in the first six months. My car was stolen, but my husband wanted me to quit. And I said, nope, nobody chases me away. And sure enough, I went from being probably the white lady to those kids to now Mrs. Manella. Huh. And so I stayed. So it was, a, it was a great experience. And I also learned to work in different environments than maybe I had worked before. And that's a great experience for all of us. And then on to uh, Lake Worth, or I'm sorry, Lake Park after that, Lake right? Park, yep. Then I went on to Lake Park and became the municipal rec, uh, municipal director. There was only three women in the state at that point in Florida. And Florida's got a lot of cities and, and counties. And so I was one of the early women in leadership there. Uh, and so I did that, and when I was there, and then from there I then went on to uh, the Florida Recreation and Park Association. You know, this might be a strange question, but as somebody who's worked in parks and recreation all your life and has been a groundbreaker in some ways, including as a female, what was the TV show Parks and Rec like for you to watch? Actually, they did a lot of the good. <laughs> they had a lot of real stuff in there. You know, obviously they did. There's a lot of fiction, too. But actually, they captured a lot of the politics you had to deal with, a lot of the, the, the behind the scenes type of things that you had to deal with. So they did OK. I was I was. I could watch it. Let's put it this way. I could watch it. So it was all right. <laughs> That's funny. Um, you mentioned the po the politics thing. So you became director of Florida State Parks in 89. And, and from what I understand, that was kind of when you first started having to you know, dip your toe into you know, political advocacy and right. the legislature and stuff like that. What was that like to go up to that next level? Well, and actually, I had to part of what I think helped me become the state park director was when I was at the Florida Recreation and Park Association headquartered in Tallahassee. And I was there 83 to 89. And I also, part of that position, you run the association, you run conferences, you do education and it's membership, but also I was their lobbyist. So I was actually uh, talking to the Department of Natural Resources regularly and the good or the bad of it, I helped uh, a state legislator write um, a bill that took money from the state parks to give it to local park and recreation to be able to um, open up new parks in the local parks and recreation. And doing that, once I became state park director, of course, I said, what did I do to myself here? Yeah. <laughs> I took money away. But it was, that's how I actually got to be known. I always joked that I became the state park director so they could get rid of me from bothering them about uh, the program was called the FERDAP, Florida Recreation Development Assistance Program, it still exists today. And so, uh, but anyway, it was a great opportunity. And, uh, but being in the politics there, you certainly, you know, your efforts are trying to help make sure the budget goes through properly. It's more pronounced as in, that, in the national parks where you're spending more and more time there. but. For me, I tried to also get the state legislators to go out into our parks so they better could appreciate the parks. Because just like our listeners today, the best way you appreciate parks is always to be able to get out into them. And that's partly what the Alliance tries to do is help people get out there. How did the job as director of the National Park Service come about? That came about because actually I was, 
I was interviewed even under the Clinton administration uh, to be National Park Service director, and I did not land that one. And then before you know it, here I am being considered under the Republican administration under George W. Bush. It is a professional position to be National Park Service director, and it is a presidential appointment confirmed by the Senate. But that um, was a surprise to me. I didn't even know I was being considered. Um, and all of a sudden, my name popped up because I said, as I said before, I was under the Clinton administration. I thought I'd never be showing up under the Republican, but sure enough, I did. And and uh, it was a great opportunity and very exciting. I came in prior to 9-11. So that was, you know, I was confirmed uh, in July of 01. So then September 11th came right around the corner. So not only was I the first woman to head the Florida, uh, the, head the National Park Service, but I'm also the first director to ever have an explosive expert reporting to her because of having to know the difference between backpack bombs, car bombs, and other things. Well, that's fascinating. We think of all the different ways that 9-11 affected things, and we don't think about national parks, but there you have it. Yes, we were, th- we were under threat a lot, actually, and... A lot of that I can't go into too far, but, uh, you know, we had our icons and we had, I learned more about, you know, protecting those parks and taking away parking in the, in near Washington Monument. They used to have big cars on the tidal basin there and things like that because cars were a bigger threat than a, than a backpack bomb. So That's we a- had to that away. That's a good so. way to highlight the fact that, uh, and we'll move on here shortly to your new, your new job, job, but to highlight the fact that, you know, that national parks aren't just things like Yosemite. It's things like, you know, no. icons like the Statue of Liberty, things like that. that. Is, yes. In fact, that's why I had to learn about boat bombs, car bombs, all those kinds of things. And there's right now 424 park units in the National Park Service. And there's 63 of those are national parks. So, hmm. if you're just joining okay. the show, I'm talking with the new director of the Alliance for Florida's National Parks, Fran Manella. The Alliance works to instill an appreciation of Florida's public lands and natural resources as both things of beauty and places to explore and as keys to sustainability and prosperity. Manella has spent her life working with and advocating for national and state parks. If you'd like to engage with the show about our topic today or any of our episodes, just use WGCU social media. We're on Facebook and we're on Twitter. So let's talk about the Alliance for Florida's National Parks now. Tell us about it and the work they do and that you now do. Yes, the Alliance uh, for Flores National Parks, as you, you gave the mission, but maybe in simplistic terms, we are the friends group for the four parks here, Everglades, Dry Tortugas, Biscayne, and Big Cypress. And we are, are as a friends group, we're the recognized fundraising partner by the National Park Service for those four entities. And also, we are a not only a fundraiser, but we're a friend raiser. So we are fundraiser and a friend raiser because one of the things I know really well, having been director of the National Park Service, and particularly, you know, you'd think federal government's got all this money or something like that. Well, when it comes to parks, we never have enough money. We didn't have it in Florida State Parks, and we sure don't have it in national parks. So we're always having to raise money to supplement, particularly things like the education program. The Alliance, one of our things we're very proud of is we help the sixth graders in Collier County be able to go out into the park at Big Cypress 
and they usually do a swamp walk and other things like that. And it gets them out there and they will have had that experience. So every sixth grader gets that opportunity. We raise money for the buses, to, for substitute teachers, for all the different things that can help with that effort. And also seasonal staff that might help um, um, our staff, the regular staff, Lisa Andrews and others, uh, get this program done. So we're very proud of it. And that's what we do on, here on the West Coast. Uh, East Coast, we do a lot of events over there for uh, for the Everglades on the East Coast side, also for Dry Tortugas, Biscayne. My husband and I got married in Biscayne National Park. That's another sort of story we can do one time. But anyway, <laughs> so anyway, um, that gives you a little bit of what we're trying to do. And we do things like a wine and wildlife. We got one coming up in 2024, February 13th. That's at the Naples Sailing and Yacht Club. And when you come there, your ticket helps pay for um, uh, to offset some of the costs for these parks. And so we try to raise those monies for the parks. We'll also have an October 21st through 22nd, a swamp celebration. And that'll be out at, um, at uh, Big Cypress. Also, Big Cypress has got a big year coming up this year in 2024. It is their 50th anniversary hmm. of the park. And we're hopefully going to be able to help them with changing some of the format. The park monies will do some of this, but there'll never be enough to do everything that we're going to be, you know, that I know the park superintendent would like to see done. And we may be putting in uh, right there at the junction of 29 and 41 as you go near right, uh, you know, 29 takes you into Everglades city. There's right now a big radio top. There's a big tower. There's, abandoned buildings and everything like that. We're hopefully going to have those down and with it, maybe a new arch as an entrance into Big Cypress. Uh, so we're excited about that and we will be very actively helping out with that endeavor. Hmm. I know over the course of your career, especially at the National Park Service, you put, try to put an emphasis on people being coming volunteers. Um, is that right. still something that fits into your role here or, or is that more on the parks side in terms of, or do you need volunteers, I guess is the question. We, we always need volunteers with the Alliance. We need people to just, you know, join on with us to, you know, check our emails out. And if you just look up for the Alliance for Florida's National Parks, you can see what we've got going on and keep in the loop and get the newsletters. And the, and if you become a member, then you get a discount of on different events that we might do and things like that. So just some things to think about. But it really is an opportunity for us uh, to entice, you know, different, you know, people that love parks. And even if they don't like going into parks, but they like the idea of the park to help out and make sure that we have uh, the uh, volunteers that help us with wine and wildlife. We also help link them if they're interested in working in the parks, we'll connect you up with a superintendent. We also are always looking for people that want to work with us in any way to the future. And we hope to do some more programs as we go along. You know, the Alliance is focused on the national parks here in Florida. What about state parks? Is there any overlap there at all? Well, we actually, like Fakahatchee Strand, you know, the ecosystem is still, that's the Everglades ecosystem. And and actually, you know, some of the best orchids are over there at Fakahatchee Strand, and that's a state park for us. And so we do partner so much with them. And we do partner with forestry. We do 
partner with Fish and Wildlife because of the panther population. And also, of course, uh, the bad guy, the, the python that's really doing so much damage to so many of us. But we really think that there's an opportunity for us to get more and more people involved with the parks. Or sometimes it's, you know, some folks want to go volunteer and work out in the parks. Others just want to write a check in order to help the parks. All those are opportunities we want to make available through the Alliance. And we want to partner with, with others. So I'm going to be meeting with the Conservancy with Southwest, uh, for Southwest Florida. What more can we do in partnership with other groups that already are doing good work down here? So, Do Florida's national and state parks interact at all with the, uh, the new Florida Wildlife Corridor, do you know? They should be. I can't give you that concrete answer, uh, but I would expect if I was the director, I'd be saying yes, they would be hmm. <laughs> in both cases. And I am friends with the new director of the national parks. So, um, but I can certainly the wild the, the, that whole wildlife corridor is a concept that is so beneficial to all of us. And I know the P- national park service should be, and I would think the na- the state parks are well. You got Chuck Hatcher, who's the state park director for Florida, and he's a great great leader. And uh, one of my pride and joys, by the way, when I was Florida State Park Director, was I opened Lover's Key State Park. Hmm. And now, again, hope everybody knows it has had a soft opening. In other words, a soft opening meaning meaning that it's open, doesn't have all of its amenities back and won't for quite a while. But it's still an opportunity to go there and go to the beach. How much time do you get to spend in you know local parks here or Southwest Florida parks or just parks in Florida? Well, I try to get out as much as I can. In fact, Nick, uh, well, in two weeks, I'm going to, not, it's not Southwest, but I'm going over to uh, Dry Tortugas and spend the, uh, we're going to spend a weekend there with the board of the Alliance and have us be able, a lot of folks have never been out there to see that, see um, the fort and to see, the, uh, you know, all the coral and everything else that's out there. And so that'll be a great opportunity. But I do try to get out in parks as much as possible. I try to help out Katie Moses at the state park, you know, at Lover's Key. Of course, Delano Wiggins also is another one that's really important. So to me, it's a seamless system of parks. We all, you know, the public doesn't always know the difference between state parks, national parks, or even wildlife um, areas. It's a seamless system. So if we're going to really take care of the resources and be able to also invite our visitors to better enjoy it. We have to be a seamless system. So I will be trying to work on that seamless concept as one of my goals as the um, new uh, chair of the Alliance. Well, all right. That is all the time we have, but I want to thank my guest. Fran Manella is the new director of the Alliance for Florida's National Parks. Fran, it's been great talking with you. Thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate it. Get out to those parks, everyone. Yeah, that's what she, that's what she said. Um, <laughs> Fran was the first female director of the National Park Service, appointed by President George W. Bush in 2001, and the first woman director of Florida State Parks. If you missed any of the show today, you can find all of our episodes on our website, wgcu.org gcl, or wherever you find podcasts. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director today is Jared Gonzalez. Tara Calligan is our social media coordinator. For now, thank you for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM. We are NPR for Southwest Florida.